Welcome to How to Scale, the podcast by Frog Capital focused on helping software companies to successfully scale up. For more than 10 years, we have developed a solid understanding of the common challenges that scale-up companies face. With our group of operating partners, who have learned from years of experience, we have created the Scale-Up methodology, which brings together insights and tools to help improve companies' probability of reaching sustainable profitability. Each podcast looks at a different challenge that all companies will face on their way to scale. My name is Jens Düring. I'm one of the senior partners at Frog Capital, the investor focused on purpose-driven European software companies in the scale-up phase. Over the last 20 years, my own personal journey has led me to work in this space, challenging the status quo to identify better ways to tackle problems. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast. Today's episode is focused on how SaaS companies become market leaders with serial SaaS chair Adam Hale. Following long stints at Accenture and Russell Reynolds, Adam took fair sale from eight people with £400,000 sterling revenue in 2013 to 200 people with over £17 million sterling revenue in 2017 when they were bought by Sage for £115 million. Adam now chairs the board of three companies, including one of Frog's investments, Clue Software, alongside a range of non-exec positions at several other SaaS businesses. Today, Adam and I discuss the tried and tested framework Adam uses across all the companies he works with to help them become a market leader, which consists of getting five elements right, at the same time, deliberately cut across organizational boundaries. So Adam, do you want to let our listeners know a little bit about your background first? I'd be delighted to. Um, so I've actually been in technology for a long time. I learned to code 42 years ago. As a teenager in Stockport, I then did a computer science degree in the mid-80s. And when I told people what I was studying, they always said the same thing, which was, oh, I am sorry. And then hoping I'd applied for something honorable like physics or engineering or something. And when I told them I'd applied for computer science, they always said the same thing, which was, oh, that's even worse. So I've gone from being an object, an object of pity in the mid-80s mid to now being software at the center of the world. So, so since then, delighted I spent my whole career in, uh, in technology. Really, technology and people have been the two core themes. Uh, 10 years working for Accenture, doing large-scale system integration projects. 16 years as a headhunter, uh, working with software businesses, building their boards and leadership teams. And then I've been kind of operational for the last decade. I was the CEO of a software business that grew quickly and was acquired six years ago, uh, which is when I decided to go plural. So I'm now delighted to be chairman of um, three B2B SaaS companies, including Clue, uh, as well as a board member of a couple of others and various other different roles. So that's me. Fantastic. And that's obviously a key aspect of being a chairperson on board is the relevance of the experience and the wealth of experience. And as you alluded to, you're obviously um, the chairman of one of our portfolio companies, Clue, um, out in Bristol. Um, so how do you approach a potential new position? So what I do, what I look for in a business, if I think about what my purpose is, and I think purpose is incredibly important to, to Frog, but I think my purpose is to help organizations become market leaders at what they do. I've never been a kind of okay guy where I just wanted to, I, I want companies to be the, the, the market leader in what they do and ideally the dominant market leader in what, 
they do. So I think my purpose is to try and help those organizations and, the, and those leadership teams really fulfill their potential. And I, and I love that. I love the flexibility of working with different organizations and the variety that it gives that it gives me. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm trying to, to help them get from where they are to where they could be. Fantastic. And to give our listeners an idea, how many companies do you have exploratory talks with and how many do we actually end up working with in the end? Um, so I'm in the fortunate position of where I get approached um, to, to do a number of things. And right now, my consistent answer is no. Actually, just please don't even tell me what it is because I'll get really excited about it and I won't be able to do it. So that will just disappoint everybody. Um, because um, so now I, I chair three things on the board of two more and involved to a lesser degree with, 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 with a number of, of others. Um, but what I found in a plural career is you do need to have capacity for when something happens. So last year, I actually had to step in and run one of the uh, companies I'm involved with, which obviously takes a lot more time. And I guess that's running temporarily in the interim rather. Correct. So I stepped in to be executive chairman. Mm -hmm. uh, and while uh, the company appointed a new CEO, and then I stepped back to be, to be non-exec when, uh, when the new CEO came in. And I have to say that's, from my point of view, one of the key skills of a non-executive director in general to understand how to modulate the interaction with the team. So that's one of the elements that when we look at a chairperson uh, is actually quite often underestimated. Um, and I do know, Adam, when you do work with uh, management teams, you have a certain process to go through with them. Do you want to uh, elaborate a little bit on that? I'm delighted to. And actually, it's, it's something that I've done my whole career is I do believe in having a kind of repeatable framework to work within. And it's called different things. It's called playbooks or methodology or process, but essentially it's the same thing. It's a repeatable framework where you use your judgment and creativity in each different situation. So I work with a, with a, with a framework that's got five elements to it that I developed while I was a CEO and I, I now use it in my plural uh, my plural life, and it's got it's got five elements. So five elements are purpose, focus, customers for life, innovation, and team. And they're deliberately chosen because they cross organizational boundaries. And, and I don't think saying something like just scaling sales, I, 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 everything in my experience is actually kind of tied together. And it's that alignment and that congruence that makes organizations successful. And do you want to elaborate a little bit on these five points? I'd, Give us some examples on how you, what that actually means for a management team. I'd, I'd be happy to. So, so purpose, and actually the, the reason I know fro Frog, where purpose is, is very important to, to, to Frog, but when I was a CEO, I went home one day and my, my elder daughter, who was 17 then, um, she said, Dad, what's Fair Sale for? What was the name of the company? And it's one of those questions I thought, do you know, what answer can I give that actually a 17-year-old girl is going to be happy with? Mm -hmm. And it has, if it has a number in it, she won't be happy. And it made me realize that actually I couldn't answer that question well enough. And so what the purpose to me means is essentially what are you for as a business? Why do customers need you? And what can you help them accomplish? So to me, it's the articulation on one page of the why and the what. And that's something, if you look at Clue, look at Arctic Shores, look at Orbis, all the companies, they've all got that why, what on one 
page. And, and I think it's one of those things where it takes a lot of, a lot of really good thinking to get one clear page. And, and what I think that encapsulates is it encapsulates the pain that customers are in, which is why they need you, and also the kind of the art of the possible for what you can achieve. So that's, that's purpose. Yeah. Um, and I can guess that percolates through to the other themes as well. You're absolutely right, because purpose is used across the whole business. So it's really important in the go-to-market process to understand the particular narratives. It gives you that framework to discover and understand. But it's used in customer success. If you can move your customers from the why to the promised land, you will always be in good shape. It's used in product. It's used, in, it's used across the whole business. Um, so purpose, fo focus then is about doing a smaller number of things well. I've always been a big believer in, in that, in making things absolutely quality focused. And when I, when I took over the company I ran, it was only 13 people, but I closed down one of the two solutions. I said, I'd much rather do one thing really well than two things not so, not so well. And I see that across all the organizations. Actually, it's much better to narrow them down and just have a really specific number of things. It's like Clue with partnering. We're partnering with one organization, um, and it's working very, very, very well because we've got that absolute focus and uh, quality built into it. Now, when I read this earlier on, I thought that really, really resonates with me as well because focus is, is a key skill for a scaling software company, and it's both in terms of the product, but it comes particularly down from my point of view in, in the team, because um, the, the depth of what you're looking at is getting deeper and deeper. So your breadth needs to be narrow, more focused from my point of view, and you need to have more specialist people and skills uh, in the team. And, and I know this is one of the areas you're looking at as well. Absolutely right. And, and also one of the most important words that needs to be used in any scaler is actually no. And it's making the decision not to do something. And so consciously taking the time away from something that you shouldn't be doing to spend the time on what you should be doing. And it's, it, and it's a really difficult thing for, for founders to kind of um, transition where to get a business started, you just kind of need to do everything. But then particularly as the business grows and it becomes the market leader and you really have clarity on what it's going to be a market leader in, you have to really start to focus and start to really make those conscious decisions over what not to do as well as what to do. Um, the other thing on focus is, is, is I've always, something I learned a long time ago, is if there's time to fix something when it goes wrong, which there always is, yeah. that means there's time to do it right the first time. So just get it right the first time and just think about it before it goes wrong and you have to spend all the time and effort fixing it. Yeah, and that's down to planning and organization. Uh, and and learning, I guess. Yeah, and and that's something I I, I love kind of working with the uh, working with the CEOs and their leadership teams, and just, they're the ones running the business, right? I'm not running the business, but 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 my job is to is to help them, and to and to challenge them, and to enable them, and to encourage them because it's not easy. Not doing doing these things is actually incredibly hard, and if people people don't realize how hard it is to scale a business up, that means they've never done one. It's incredibly hard. And so it's my job to kind of encourage and, and hopefully inspire, and but also to, to, to challenge them along the way. Fantastic. And how about the other aspects of your um, process? 
Well, I think one next one was customer for life, if I remember. Yeah, so, so customers for life. I mean, if, if an organization doesn't have successful customers, then it, it's not really a, a business. Sometimes people say, well, we measure renewal. But actually, all renewal means for a SaaS business, all renewal means is that you're not thrown out. That's all renewal means. And it's a consequence of other things you've done earlier. Correct. But, but, it, but so to me, customers for life and customer success, the bar is way above renewals. Yeah. And it's all about, you know, how do you do those things to make sure that renewal itself is a complete no-brainer? And that's about, again, if you really understand the why and the what for the customer, if you really are delivering value, you will always be renewed. But it's also thinking about your approach to services, because services are important because they're the bridge from getting the customer to where they started to success. So services are critical, even in a SaaS world. And then it's things like bringing the customer community together. I think that's a responsibility of, of, of any great software business is to actually bring that community together. Um, so there's all kinds of aspects of, of customers for life. And it's interesting, before I was kind of operational in software companies, I was in professional services for a long time. And, and I actually think the software industry has got a lot to learn mm. from professional services and, and, and consulting because they're very, very good at client success. Can you give us an example of what that means? It, it means having an organization, it means having a conversation with senior people that's genuinely over what is holding them back in their business and what they want to achieve. And my view is they don't wake up in the morning and think about you or your solution. You shouldn't expect them to. They don't care. But they do wake up in the morning thinking about something. So that's what you should talk to them about. Mm -hmm. And so particularly when we're doing discovery conversation, particularly when we're in the world of kind of peak SDR now, it's it's about really being able to understand and get behind those those, um, conversations and really listening carefully and probing in so you genuinely understand what is what is relevant and interesting to, to customers. I love doing that. Yeah, that's something, I guess, an aspect of the work that we are doing here that we like as well, because obviously we have to have a, a strong learning curve when we get uh, clued up about the companies we want to invest in. So understanding what the real purpose is for the customer is a critical way to understand how sustainable a business can be. Absolutely. So I totally agree with you on that one. Adam, I know another point that's important to your framework is innovation. Innovation is is critical. When I say innovation, it's not just a kind of technical thing. It goes across the whole organization. It's about what are the small number of distinctive, impactful things that you are doing that are really going to help your customers? And, and so I look at a lot of kind of, you know, here's our nine, 12-month product release map, and honestly, it's just stuff. It's just, there's nothing in there. And it's about small number of things. So for example, at Clue, it's about the path to prevention. And how do they stop low-level fraud investigations issues actually, you know, stopping the bigger things happening in the first place? Arctic Shores, it's about scrapping the CV. Orbis, it's about a digital blueprint for an organization. So it's that small number of things that goes across the whole organization that is really going to mean something to your customers. And it relates to the purpose as well, because it should fit directly against the kind of the why and the what 
And if it doesn't, something's off. I think that's that's key part of my of my role is to is to kind of do that thinking and to help the CEO then align all of the different pieces across the organization. So to me, innovation is something genuinely distinctive and impactful. It's a small number of things. It's like maybe one, two things in a year, but something genuinely different. Fantastic. And I love how it actually interlinks what you said earlier on, the identification of the purpose and also the focus yeah, and the customer for life element where If the innovation is relevant, it helps. The last point we have to talk about is probably the most critical one of all of them is the team. Well, I mean, to put it simply, every great company is made up of great people. And if it doesn't have great people, it's not a great company. Uh, and so to me, the, the, the people at the heart of everything. Now, that's easy to say, but a lot harder to do, particularly when a company is growing quickly. And, and so you've got the challenge of, you know, how do you win the trust and win the heart of new people to join your organization? And then how can you make them successful and develop them over time to help it become a great company? And it's really difficult because being within these high growth environments is actually really hard. If anybody thinks, sometimes people look at scale-ups from the outside and say, oh, it looks fantastic, it's an amazing company, and looks great to work there. Then they've never been inside one. Yeah, and they don't realize how unbelievably difficult it is to succeed in that kind of environment that's changing so often. Uh, and what I see companies do quite often is they actually kind of predict the kind of six-month trough of disappointment. So you join and everything's great and fantastic. Here I am on LinkedIn, new role, blah, blah, blah. And then you get into it more and you just realize how hard it is, how much there is to learn, how much, how complex the solution is, how, how difficult it is to make customers successful, all these things. You go through the kind of trough of disappointment and great companies anticipate that mm -hmm. and build people back up to have long and successful careers so that hopefully working for that company is the pinnacle of their career that they will always look back on. But it's hard to do. And you mentioned this trough of disappointment. I guess there is a role to play for a chairman like yourself to help management anticipate this and, and help them manage their teams through these um, troughs. Well, well, I, well I, I hope so. And I, I try to do that. And I think what's, what's interesting now in, in the software world is just how much more focus there is on people than there used to be. And it's interesting, I think this is true of companies generally. You know, 30 years ago, the only thing that boards understood about their companies were the numbers and the products and services, right? And that was literally it. We've been through this incredible customer revolution over the last 20 years. So any good board understands their customers as well, but they're now starting to understand their people much more uh, because people is the most valuable asset of every single organization. And I think the more people focused that an organization is, then the better it's going to succeed. And, and that's also why in, in, in fast-growing organizations, I think it's really good when equity ownership is spread the whole way down the organization so that everybody's a part of it. And you don't talk about equity in a company meeting and some people standing at the back saying, yeah, but not for me. Yeah. You know, and, and so I like that. I guess it's kind of a more American approach. 
of really kind of spreading that equity all the way down the organization i think that really really that that that's that that's a, something that can that can really help totally agreed there's one other topic around the team that i'd like to to get your views on and that's in the scale up journey as you mentioned the there's a journey yeah and there's an evolution of what's needed in terms of team and specific roles and so on how do you work with the management teams that you work with um, in foreseeing these challenges? Well, it's a, it's a very good point because as, as every organization grows, they need different types of leadership and different types of, of, of skills. And actually, I saw this when I was a headhunter kind of before my um, operational career, if you, if, you, if you like, because what you've got to have is the right leader for the right phase in a company. And, and particularly as these companies grow, the, the, the people that come into the organization, they may not stay the whole way through. And that can be okay. Yeah. But what's important is to have the right leader for that phase of the organization. So and you, you see this particularly when people come in from much bigger organizations and they come into smaller organizations. Exactly. Oh, it's okay. Oh, I'm coming from Salesforce or you know some fabulous company. Yeah. So, and they find that they sometimes that they just can't get their fingers dirty enough, and they can't get to grips with the fact that oh, well, there aren't these processes and there aren't these mechanisms. And 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 what I'd say to people is, look, you know, you, you can't be disappointed that those processes aren't there. You have to look at that as an opportunity, right? What yeah. can you help the company build? Don't just whinge. Oh, well, it didn't have that. Well, sorry, but no shit, Sherlock, yeah, right? Exactly. That, that, that's why you're here. You have to help. And, and, and so it's important getting people with the right mindset and the right attitude to do that and to take the organization from where it was to where it, to where it should be. And you see that. So for example, at, at, at Clue, you know, we, we've, you know, kind of basically doubled the team in the last year and a half, and I'm sure it will double again in the next year and a half. So many, many different dynamics around that. Yeah. And it's, when we talk about it, it sounds like it can be foreseen and planned and work smoothly. I think one experience of my personal uh, life as, in, as a board member is that it never goes smoothly. There will always be challenges. There, you will anticipate things too early, too late, and you just have to keep on evolving and learning from this. And uh, that's, I think, where uh, board members can play a very important role because we have seen a few mistakes. We should have seen a few mistakes and can hopefully help some of the teams uh, prevent making all of them again. Yes, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's right. Because, you know, sometimes the same movies get played over again. And, and something that I've learned about kind of people over the, over the years is that people essentially are kind of who they are from their early 20s. And so, and, and that's okay. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different. If anybody thinks they can do everything, <laughs> warning sign number one, yeah, uh, spoiler right. alert, nobody can. Exactly. And that's okay. Everybody's different. So, so the most important thing is understanding people, but also this can be even harder people understanding themselves yeah. and having that self-awareness for what they can do and what they and what they can't. And, and then really thinking about how that changes and how that fits into different organizations over over time. Um, because you need different people at different at different points. 
Exactly. Adam, thank you for coming in and sharing your framework with us. It's been very insightful and it's a good example of how a successful chairman can help companies uh, succeed. We typically ask our um, guests to give us three key takeaways. I, I can see already that you're smiling. You will go for five, I'm sure. So do you mind summarizing your... Well, it is a, it is a high inflation environment. Yeah. So I can <laughs> feel that, you know, 2023 is the year to do, is the year to do this. But yeah, I would, I would go for five, which are my five that, that I think in order to become a real market leading business, you need to do all five. But the tricky thing is you need to do all five at the same time. Yeah. Purpose, focus, customer success, innovation, and of course, last but not least, team and people. Adam, thank you very much. It's been very great to have you here on our podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast. And finally, thank you for listening. We welcome all feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for us to cover in future episodes. So please email howtoscale at frogcapital.com. Proc invests in purpose-driven European software scale-ups, making a positive impact on society. We look for businesses who have reached product market fit and are generating over 3 million euros of annual recurring revenue, what we see as a characteristic of the scale-up phase. It's a stage where businesses are continuing the path of positive growth, a purpose-driven route to sustainability and profitability. Our own purpose is to help scale the most exciting purpose-driven software companies in Europe. We do this with both capital and our in-house team of operating partners who work closely with all the companies we invest in to overcome the inevitable challenges scale-ups face.